Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Last week we started a new study in the book of Ephesians, a letter written to God's holy people, Paul says in that beginning of the chapter, his holy people in Ephesus, and of course to us as well. Paul wants them and us to know that God does indeed have a plan and that he is faithful to see it through for both you and me. That nothing is by chance. This is not some random crazy thing going on. It's not nothing by chance. It is all because of his will. And, and he wants us to know that his will will be done. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing will get in the way. Ephesians, as I mentioned last week, really is an amazing book. Well, all the, all the books of the Bible are. This is one of those many amazing books because it has all that we need. It contains that which can really change our lives. In it, we, dis- we, we find our true identity. We discover who we are, who we are meant to be, and, and what we're meant to do, and what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. And Paul understood this, and he believed all of this. And he knew he was called by the will of God to reflect the master's master plan and do so as an apostle called by God. And he begins to realize that even from his earliest days, he had been prepared to do this very thing. You see, the same is true for you and me. The same is true for us. God wants to place us, each one of us, in what I'm going to refer to as that sweet spot. Or spots, don't think it's limited to one, for which he has prepared us from the beginning. You see, his will, his plan fits perfectly with the personality and the gifts, and the talents, and the experiences that he has brought into your life. And so to make sure that we do not misunderstand what Paul means when he says in verse 3, by every spiritual blessing, Paul spells them out in three separate categories. Again, we mentioned this last week. Blessings from the Father's work in the past. Blessings from the Son's work in the present, and blessings from the work of the Holy Spirit for the future. The undeniable fact is this. Your true identity and the will of God are inseparable. I want to say that again, okay? Your true identity as one who is in Christ, as a follower of Jesus, and His will are inseparable. They go hand in hand, and they are the very best thing. God's plan, His will for your life is the very best thing that could ever, ever happen to you and me. Now, so much for recap. Let's start where we want to be this morning. Did you know, I found out this week that there's a diamond mine 
which is the only one in North America, and it's found at Murfreesboro, Arkansas. I did not know that. And if you were to go there looking for diamonds, you would find that it could be pretty tricky. Because usually diamonds in the rough aren't shiny diamond-shaped. They're disguised in their appearance, looking just like any other little dirty rock, <laughs> concealing and hiding its true value. As believers in Christ, we are like diamonds in the rough. Before God completes His work of chipping off the rough edges of our lives, we sometimes wonder how we could ever be valuable, how we could ever be lovable in His sight. That's when we need to remember what Paul said to the Philippians. He said in chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, until that moment that he returns. Did you hear what Paul just reminded us of there? God is so committed to you and seeing to it that his will will indeed be accomplished in your life. He's committed to you. And I think it would just simply make sense, doesn't it, for us then to recognize that commitment that he is so for us that we would want to respond in a commitment, in a devotion, and in a surrender back to him? Did that sound like a good thing? I think so. See, this means that God will transform us into the persons that he wants us to be. He's committed to that. It's a process that takes a lifetime, doesn't it? We all know that to be true. And it's all part of what we'll refer to as the spirit-filled life. And so to understand how God can take us diamonds in the rough like, and, and transform us into people who live spirit-filled lives, reflecting the many facets, I'm talking diamond talk here, the many facets of the character and the heart of our God. Us displaying that and reflecting that, sparkling that. God, we, we, we need then to refocus our hearts, our minds, our lives on God's plan, His will for our lives. I'm going to say it again. I've said it a thousand times in here, which means we got to get over ourselves, get our eyes off of us and onto Jesus. Forget about our plan, our will, and get locked onto His. And here's the good news, is that when we get really caught up in that, in a good sense of the way, of being caught up, when we find ourselves desiring Him, longing for Him, wanting to please Him more than ourselves, wanting His will more than our own will. You know what we find out? That His will becomes our will. His desires become our desires as we are seeking Him. That's a pretty cool deal, don't you think? You see, the good news is that God sees us not as we are, 
Not who we see when we look in the mirror. Not who we see when we look into our paths, our, our mess-ups, our failures, our stumblings. He sees who we can be in Jesus. Don't get too excited about that. Was that is that like too much to believe? I wonder if it is. And could that be why we, we have a, such a hard time? We struggle with living this life for Jesus because we, we seem to forget and can't get a hold of this whole idea that when we are in him, we can live like him. He empowers us. He gives us everything we need, the blessings that we've been looking that he pours out on us so that we can be like Jesus. But to help us understand that, I think, Paul wants to make sure that the Ephesians know, that we know, that as we have said, because as we are in Christ, and Paul says because we are hid in Christ, that when God looks at us, he doesn't see who we see. When we look at us, he sees his son. Good news. Good news. A sculptor was chipping away on a huge piece of marble when someone came by and asked him a question, hey, what are you making with that? And the sculptor said, I'm making a horse. The person then asked, how are you ever going to make a horse out of that great big slab of marble? The sculptor said, it's easy. I just chip off everything that doesn't look like a horse. That's exactly what God does, folks. In our lives through the process of what? Discipleship and salvation and redemption. And we can name a whole lot more things that he uses to bring this about. He, he chips away everything in our lives then that doesn't look like Jesus. He being the master sculptor, if you will the irritable co-worker, the challenge of raising godly children, the hardship, the trial, the health issues, the relational struggles, even now through this sermon. God's desire would be to chip away things in your life that prevent you from living a spirit-filled life that keeps you from being more like Jesus, less like this world, more like Jesus. And so based on verse 7, where we left off last week, God begins chipping away the rough edges in our lives when in Christ, he says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This word translated redemption here refers to a deliverance from the slavery of sin. We mentioned this. God has come. He has purchased us. He has ransomed us and taken us out of the slave sin market. And so to help us along with our redemption, to help us along with our adoption and the spirit-filled life, Look at verse 8. It says that God lavishes on us the blessings of wisdom and understanding. So let's just pick it up from verse 7 and move right into verse 8, okay? It says, in him, 
We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us, the mystery of His will that He lavished on us with all wisdom, excuse me, and understanding. The Greek word that is translated here as lavished means super, extravagantly, abundantly. God, in the richest of His grace, has extravagantly, abundantly poured out on us truth and His love and His grace and His mercy. And then Paul adds that wisdom and understanding. The word for wisdom here means being able to see the world from God's perspective. That's awesome, isn't it? And he lavishes that on us, pours it out on us. The word for understanding here means the ability to see the right action to be taken in any situation. All of this put together is telling us that God has abundantly, extravagantly showered on us the ability to know and to understand His will. It means seeing how to use and do the truth of God's Word. Proverbs 9.10 amplifies this for us. You know this verse. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now notice how this seamlessly rolls out right on into verse 9. Look at verse 9 with me. It says, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. The Greek word translated mystery here is a word that means that which was previously hidden or obscured. God has forgiven us. He has chosen us. He has predestined us. We looked at this last week. He has, because of all those things, elevated us, right? Calling us to be part of his family, join heirs with his son, but he's also made known to us by his grace the mystery of life. Please keep in mind that in the Bible, a mystery is not something that is intended to be mysterious, weird, or difficult. Here, biblically, it just speaks of that which has really been out there, just not known hasn't been opened up yet to our understanding. And Paul is letting us know this has now happened. That which was out there, we've, we've said it like this for years here. The New Testament is concealed in the old and the old is revealed in the new. It's been opened up to us. Not a mystery anymore. Not to be difficult for us to understand. Rather, it is a truth that has been locked up in God's plan for ages until he was ready to reveal it to humanity. When the time came, he unlocked the truth. How many of you thankful for that? He opened it up. And so now we're wondering, okay, now, so what is the mystery? Look at verse 10. To be put into effect, 
So he did it for his good pleasure, which purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's pretty, pretty good information, don't you think? So what is the big picture? What is the mystery? What is the plan? It is that in due time, everything in heaven and on earth will be gathered together in Christ, around Christ, and for Christ. God is handling, He is planning, He is arranging, and He is administering all things towards a final consummation. For Christ and all His followers, in or on that glorious day, all conflict, all division, all evil, and you can just fill in the blanks of whatever it is you feel that needs to go away <laughs> and disappear. All of that moves out on that final day as God brings everything to that final end and a new and a perfect and an eternal creation will be established for the Lord and His followers throughout the world. In other words, God is letting us know the mystery. If it's been a big question to you, God, what is life all about? What are we doing? What is this about? Where's my life going? He answers it. It's not some random accidental thing. It isn't just going to be chaotic and stay that way. God's letting us know this is all going and heading to a good place, to a wonderful place. All part of his plan. And he's going to see to it that it happens. God is so good and he is so gracious to make his will known to us. I mean, you guys think about it. After all, he could have said, hey, people, there's a mystery out there. Hope you can figure it out. Good luck. <laughs> no. He doesn't do that which means we should be so thankful. We can live wisely and we can live sensibly because he's made known to us the mystery that everything is in Christ and for Christ. Therefore, doesn't it sound good to you? Aren't you glad even more so in this moment that your true identity is in him? Woo! I'm glad for that. Are you full of joy today? Are you at peace? Are you content? Do you have rest? If so, pretty good indication that you are experiencing the understanding of the mystery of His will. That's pretty, pretty cool. If you don't, though. <laughs> if you're bitter or angry or frustrated, upset, confused, 
pretty good indication that you are not understanding the mystery of his will. You see, on any given day, the extent to which you understand the mystery of his will, that will be the extent to which you will experience peace in your heart. Think about that. You see, God's got this. We've said that numerous times here, and here it is again, and he, he so wants us to get it. He wants us to get that he's got this. That he is for us, and that he is sovereign over all. Next, we have the blessings of being provided an eternal inheritance. Look at verse 11 and 12 with me now. It says, In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. Now let me share verse 11 with you from two other translations, the New Living Translation and the Message. The New Living says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For He chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. The message puts it like this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we even first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us for glorious living. And I would just add my addition before there ever was in us. It was already in place. We've obtained an inheritance not from Christ, but in Him. And when we get to heaven, folks, think about this. Yes, we will have all sorts of wonderful experiences and see spectacular things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard. But all of that, all of those things will pale in comparison to the inheritance that we'll have just simply because we are in Jesus. The term, the phrase takes on much greater meaning in my thinking that he is more than enough, really will be. And so when we walk down the aisle, so to speak, in that heavenly marriage scene, to stand at the side of our bridegroom, Jesus, we will at last experience what it means to be absolutely incredibly fulfilled because he is our inheritance. I was thinking while preparing this, when Marilyn and I got married, all that I owned became hers. She inherited it, which 
was just simply a 1965 Chevelle Supersport. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> as far as I know, she didn't marry me for that Chevelle. <laughs> but all that was mine became hers. This is what God is telling us, folks. All that belongs to Jesus becomes ours. And in short, really, it really in great summary, we become his inheritance. He is our inheritance. Could there be a greater inheritance? I think not. There's no way. Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 13, we didn't cover the 40th chapter. Well, we did, but I want to revisit it. He makes a statement there that we need to deal with here. I says, it says, who has counseled the Lord? You know, who, in other words, who's, who's taken the Lord aside and given him advice? <laughs> counseled him. You know what the answer would be? All of us. <laughs> right? I mean, in truth be known, we all have. We've done that. We say, Lord, I don't know if you're seeing this right. <laughs> I don't know if you realize how bad it is. Lord, did you see what he just did? Lord, did you hear what she just said? As if we expect the Lord to say, no, but thanks for letting me know. <laughs> what do you think I should do about it? <laughs> Consider with me the prophet Jeremiah who may have been quite confused and, and, and I, I got to think so frustrated for after preaching for 40 years, not one response. I got to be honest with you, I don't know that I could handle that. 40 years, not one response to the people of Judah. So at a certain point in his ministry, the Lord comes to him and says, Jeremiah, I need, you to, I need you to take a break. And I want you to go down to the potter's house because I have a lesson for you to learn there. So Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and he watched him place a lump of clay upon the wheel and position his foot upon the pedal. And as the wheel began to spin round and round, the potter began to put pressure on the clay, skillfully shaping and molding it into something of beauty. This is all found in Jeremiah 18, if you're interested. There are times when we feel like we're spinning our wheels, going in circles, feeling the pressure. Where are you, God? We cry out. Don't you care about me? How could you ever allow this to happen in my life? But then the Lord brings back to the very simple this to us this very simple realization that the hands that puts pressure on our lives and the foot that spins the wheel have holes in them where their nails pierced those hands and feet of the master potter as he hung on the cross and died for our sins. You see, this is why communion is so very important to the believer. All of the questions, all of the confusion that we feel as we 
spin our wheels, analyze our situations, and question our circumstances are solved immediately when we remember Jesus' unbelievable, undeniable love for us. Can I say it again? And we are his inheritance, and he is ours. God works everything after the counsel, not of your will, but of his own. How many are thankful for that? <laughs> and although we might be tempted to ask, God, what right do you think you have to do what you do with me? The more Paul asks, the more, I think, more reasonable question in Romans chapter 9, verse 20. He says, who are you, lump of clay? <laughs> to question the plan of the Father. Wow. In the next couple of verses, we find yet another blessing that God lavishly pours out on. Is this the blessing of being sealed by the Holy Spirit? Look at 13 and 14 with me now. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The third area of spiritual blessing is ours through the third person of the Trinity, obviously the Holy Spirit, by whom we were made spiritually safe and secure. The Holy Spirit is given as our guarantee. A guarantee of what, you might ask? All that we've just talked about. And do notice the progression that Paul does lay out. He wants to make sure we do not miss this. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel message, and after believing the gospel message of salvation, then they were, slash, we are, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. To be sealed, church speaks of ownership and would have been a term very, very familiar to Paul's first century readers at Ephesus. You see, it was at Ephesus, which was a major shipping exporting city, that crates would have been sealed by, their, by the merchants with an imprint. Wax poured on the crate, the imprint of a merchant's ring placed on it before it would cross the Aegean Sea. The sealing also speaks of commitment because the Greek translation of Paul's word here, sealed, could also convey the idea, are you ready for this, of an engagement ring. Wow, this is getting pretty interesting. It's a perfect picture. When you committed your life to Jesus, the Lord put the seal of His Holy Spirit in you, signifying 
that he would see you through not only your voyage across the Aegean Sea, so to speak, meaning your voyage across the storm-tossed ocean of life to bring you safely to his side as his bride. Hallelujah. Guarantee, as you know, it's a business term, isn't it? Referring to pledge money being paid up front to ensure full payment. Full payment will be made later. It's a deposit. And so even today, a prospective buyer puts up what we would refer to as earnest money. And on a piece of land, which would be ensuring the seller that this person who's put up the earnest money fully intends to come back at some point in time, predetermined, to pay it in full. Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is that deposit, is that guarantee. You know the work that the Holy Spirit does in your life, don't you? The conviction that you have about sin, that's the Holy Spirit's work. The desire to live a holy life, to do the next right thing, that's the Holy Spirit's work. That part of you that is deeper than a feeling and deeper than emotion and is drawing you into relationship with God, that's the Holy Spirit's work. That prompting and nudging that you may experience in the morning before you've gotten out of bed that says, get up now and pray, seek me. That's the Holy Spirit at work. It's the Holy Spirit that drives you to seek a deeper walk, a closer walk with God. He's given you the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a pledge to guarantee that the work that he has begun, he will continue to see that it gets done. Paul wrote in Philippians 1.6, I referred to earlier, I want to elaborate on the verse, add more to it. I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue to work until it is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ comes back. God speaks of his relationship to you. Please hear this, church. I think this is so important. He speaks to you about his relationship with you in permanent terms. Think about it. Adoption, redemption, sealed, guarantee, permanent terms. You belong to God, and that will never, ever change. The result of this incomprehensible blessing, or blessings we should say, is that God, Paul tells us, at the end of that 14th verse, he is repeating it probably now at this point for the third or fourth time that God should be praised. Amen? That God should be praised. Church, here's why God's adopted you. Here's why he's predestined you. And here why, here's why he's chose you. Here's why he's blessed you in Christ in heavenly places. You want to know why? It's because you've been so good. No. Because of your prayer life. Well, not that either. 
Verse 9 tells us, because it was his good pleasure. Wow. If that doesn't make you feel blessed, and if that doesn't prompt a praise within you to him, I don't know what will. Because of his good pleasure. It's almost like we could say, in spite of you, in spite of me, he still found it in his good pleasure to pour out on us extravagantly, abundantly, his blessings because of his glorious grace. So here's the good news, folks, about the good news. We are accepted because we are in the beloved. We're in Christ. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. It does not matter what the world says about you. What does matter and what you need to spend more time in on thinking and believing and hearing, what does matter is what God says about you. What God says about those who are in his son. You'll have to wonder if you're in or out. You just understand. Just, just understand the simple principle that you are embraced not because of who you are, but because of where you are. The where being in Christ. So where are you? In Christ. And once you accept this truth, once you get it, and embrace it and run with it and live it. You will enjoy your relationship with the Father in a brand new revolutionary kind of way. Verse 14 says that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance for those who belong to Christ. The Spirit is, in effect, church, our engagement ring. That's what Paul was wanting us to understand here. It is our engagement ring that shows that we do indeed belong to Christ and will remain that way until our wedding day, which has been described here as when he returns to take us home to be with him forever. And our great confidence is this. God, unlike most people, never, ever breaks his promise. If you have trusted in Christ, you are his, signed, sealed, and delivered <laughs> forever. Amen? And again, to the praise of his glory and grace. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us, for your being so committed to us, being so for us, and abundantly, extravagantly pouring out on us the riches of your blessings and providing for us the knowledge of not just knowing, but also understanding 
the mystery of your will. You've made it known and you make it known to us through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And so in that, we can find great peace and rest, knowing that you've got this, you are in control, you are sovereign over all. And so, Lord, may our lives reflect the kind of life that you would have it be, illuminating the many facets as diamonds in the rough being chipped away by you, your character, your heart, your love, your compassion, your grace and mercy. May they be the things that people see in us as we allow you to chip away all that doesn't look like Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com.